0: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop
1: Torah, the podcast that focuses on the intersection between Judaism and pop culture. As always, I'm your host, Rabbi Jesse Olitsky, along with... Rabbi Michael Knopf. And this week, we are here to talk about Westworlds, the HBO series that just completed its third season uh, based on the Michael Crichton novel. Mike, you want to take it away and tell us about the show?
0: Sure. Like you said, it was based on uh, a Michael Crichton novel. Actually, uh, fun fact, uh, Michael Crichton's directorial debut uh, was this movie, Westworld. It was a movie before it was a novel. The uh, movie came out in, I think, 1978. Um, and the movie uh, uh, featured the base, basic, same basic Plot contours um, and and basic uh, uh, narrative as as the show uh, ended up taking. So the show uh, focuses on a, a fictional theme park called Westworld uh, that features uh, um, fully uh, AI um, uh, cyborgs that are uh, that are indistinguishable in so many ways from human beings. Uh, and it explores um, how human beings uh, interact with uh, these uh, with these robots in, in this theme park, uh, and explores the, uh, the, the the conversations and thought process that goes into uh, that went into the development of this park and the making of, of this park, um, and, and ultimately it is a, a Frankenstein story uh, that uh, the, the these creations uh, uh, gain consciousness. Uh, uh, or of a sort, or at least raise a question of what is consciousness, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, some of them start rising up to, uh, to, uh, to, to exact vengeance uh, for some of them on the uh, humans who have abused them in the park, uh, and for some of them uh, to uh, overthrow all of humanity altogether. Um, in, in a way, this is a very Michael Crichton story. Michael Crichton, of course, the author of Jurassic Park. Uh, another story of, uh, of a theme park uh, developed to entertain human beings using um, uh, some advanced science, recreative science, uh, that uh, ends up destroying the uh, the, the very people who, uh, who had originated it and who had uh, made it into being. Uh, so Westworld is, is very much... Along the same lines, there have been now three seasons of uh, this HBO series. It, it was sort of a campy uh, movie in the late 70s, and so now it's been given the prestige TV treatment, uh, featuring uh, an extraordinary cast an incredible acting, uh, from the likes of Anthony Hopkins, uh, who starred in the first season uh, as the uh, architect of the park uh, named Ford. Uh, um, Evan Rachel Wood plays uh, the lead, uh, a cyborg named Dolores. Uh, it, uh, it features so many incredible uh, actors. Uh, um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's really uh, an exquisite uh, showcase of, of acting chops in, in that way. Uh, and uh, I assume that there's gonna be a, a fourth season. I actually entered into the third season thinking that it was going to be the conclusion of the entire series. Uh, it turns out, um, spoiler alert that it is uh, not, or at least the showrunners hope that it's not, uh, and that it will uh, lead to a fourth season, we'll see what happens. Uh, but enough about the summary of the show, you get basically the idea, man creates a uh, machine, man creates uh, a technological advancement, technological advancement uh, ends up rising up to destroy man. That's the premise. Jesse Oliski, what did you think about Westworld?
1: I love the first season. I was confused most of the first season, but love the first season. Um, First season, there's a lot of uh, going back and forth. We only find that out at the very ends, that half of the scenes take place in the past and half take place in the present. Uh, Of course, with spoilers always. Um, It confirms what uh, I I predicted and many viewers predicted, but what's a great reveal that... um, William was actually the man in black. Um, spoiler alert! I, I warned you all.
0: Um, <laughs> and and um, this is this is like spoilers back in 2017. So this is not a huge spoiler, right? So
1: if you you haven't seen the, the show from from the first season, then uh, you're certainly not concerned with our conversation about the third. Um, I, I really liked the reveal that Jeffrey Wright, who I love as an actor. Um, Bernard was actually AI, and was Arnold, uh, and and I like the the end where where Anthony Hopkins uh, also spoiler alert was killed, and that was really the beginning of the rebellion of uh, the robots. Um, second season was pretty confusing for me, also with a lot of flashbacks, but I was unsure what the hell was going on most of the season,
0: um, and. The third season- uh, I I literally remember nothing from the second season.
1: (laughs) This season took a really different approach. It was almost like Terminator-esque. It focused solely on the futuristic worlds, uh, not the parks at all. There were a couple scenes with with, um, uh, Maeve in World War II, Nazi Germany, pretty weird. Um, But most of it was- Evan, Rachel Wood's character Dolores out in the real world and trying to spread uh, the role of AI and these robots out in the real world. Um, I didn't love this season, but I really like the, the first season because the first season um, really asked a couple questions for me. Uh, one was, at what point are we willing to, and at what length do we go towards to create our own experiences. At what point does something become real, um, right? They, they were going there to have these encounters, to have uh, encounters to do things that they wouldn't do in the real world, to kill people, to have uh, sexual intimate relationships with people. And, and they were all with, with robots, uh, but they felt so real that they were enough. Um, at what point do we do something that it, that it feels real? And that yeah. is enough. Um, I think that, that was a, a big question. And I think the other question for me from that first season was uh, why, right? That clearly we are unsatisfied with certain experiences in our lives. Uh, and so we were, we, Th- these characters in this, in this futuristic world were um, going not just for entertainment purposes, but going really to satisfy uh, something that was missing for them in their lives. The third season, I don't
0: know. Uh, right. So, I, you know, I think that the, um, the, the first season especially, you know, kind of raises this question. You, you hit it uh, on its head. There's a, there's a line kind of early on in the series where uh, the character William, uh, young William, before he becomes uh, Ed Harris's character, the man in black, uh, or before that's revealed that he's the uh, character of the man in black, uh, he's riding into Westworld on the, on the sort of train that gets you into the park. And he sees this, you know, beautiful woman who, you know, kind of introduces him to the rules of the park. And he asks her, you know, are you real? And she says to him, well, if you have to ask, does it really matter? And so it does raise this question, right? Uh, so, you know, if you are a, a married man, Jesse, and you go to Westworld and you uh, uh, encounter a, a cyborg that's indistinguishable from a real woman and you have intimate relations with her, is it adultery? Uh, if you murder a cyborg uh, that uh, is indistinguishable from a human being, even if you might know that that cyborg can be brought back to life using, you know, technology, science, whatever it is that they use in Westworld, is it murder? Uh, at, you know, what, what makes uh, our actions, what gives our actions moral consequence, I think is, is one of the questions that this show raises. Right, or is it a way
1: for, you know, it reminds me in, in some ways um, of uh, that movie that uh, spurred way too many sequels and a television series, The
0: Purge. Right? I, I, this, we were just talking about this uh, in, in, the, in the run-up. Uh, you were talking about uh, going back and watching Fast and Furious movies. I've never watched any of those movies. I've also never seen a Purge movie. So, I, I so, think so the, I concept, have of, the, about? the yeah.
1: concept of the Purge is that, uh, again, in this dystopian future, the government thought that if there was one night of the year where nothing was illegal and we made it okay to do anything you wanted, then everybody would behave. Three hundred and sixty-four other days of the year, um, and I think that this is a little bit of what Westworld was. Um, it, it was it was meant to be a, a um, futuristic Vegas, right? It was like you, you, what happens
0: in Westworld stays in Westworld. Right.
1: Every single worst vice that you have, you can let it play out there. The difference being, it's in a a fake reality. So, are the implications different? Um, Right, of course, with, with Williams' character, at the very beginning of the show, he fell in love with, with this Dolores. He, he thought that this was real, and it was a, a robot which led to him um, being really violent with her when he would return every year after year after year.
0: Well, right, I mean, it, it, it raises this really interesting question, right? That, um, you know, what, what is human nature really? Are we um, at, at our heart? evil, malicious, violent uh, uh, creatures, you know, that given the opportunity will just be totally malevolent? Uh, or are we kind of like fundamentally altruistic? Or maybe some of us are one and some of us are the other? I mean, I've been, you know, we're living right now in, in kind of like our own, you know, mini apocalypse, right? And... Um, You know, some of the things that I assumed would be the case, you know, based on science fiction television movies that I watch is that there would be, you know, by now we'd be in a sort of like Mad Max um, kind of hellscape where there are like marauding tribes that are warring against each other and and everyone trying to murder each other for resources. And like maybe we're just not there yet.
1: Or worse, Um, the only toilet paper you could
0: get is single ply. Uh, I mean, listen, that's its own level of brutality, um, you know, but I guess, you know, are are we just not there yet or, or has this moment that we're living in revealed something that science fiction has been wrong about that, that actually at our core. And I see lots of examples of people being like so good hearted and generous to each other, uh, right now. Um, Another plug
1: for some good news. By John Krasinski, yeah. Yeah, maybe
0: I'm just watching too much of some good news. I don't know. Maybe I'm not watching enough of the bad news.
1: You know, I I sort of wonder, right, the show is a question of one's moral compass, um, one's um, ability and desire to do good. Um, We talked about this on a previous episode uh, when we were celebrating Star Wars Day. Uh, and And we talked about the balance between good and evil and um, how um, Midrash talks about how each person is built f- and, and born first with an inclination to do evil uh, that's our instinct that's our our but um, right? we have our it our ego and our super ego that's our 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 animalistic instinct uh the desire to to take what is ours right to see somebody who we find attractive and to grab them and kiss them, to uh, be angry with somebody and to attack them and kill them, to take whatever we want, to do whatever we want. That's the animalistic instinct. We only learn and acquire our Yates or Tov, our good inclination uh, to do what is right. Um, And I think Westworld really plays with that, at least initially with the park attendees. I'm really interested uh, in the... AI and the artificial intelligence, the robots themselves, um, because they end up being the main characters of the show. Uh, I I did not think that it would play out this way, but clearly by season three, Dolores is the star of the show, Evan Rachel Wood. Um, And what role does, do they play? uh, And what is their place in figuring out how to live their quote unquote lives in this world that was created for them just to be bit players.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the first thing I wanna say about Dolores is that clearly Evan Rachel Wood was, uh, w- was cast this role in addition to her being a great actor, uh, but was cast in a role because you know, she fits the bill of like perfect specimen of you know, human female um, and at some point in my life, Jesse, I, I want to be cast in a role because I am perfect specimen of human male. Just just once, just once, maybe. Um, <laughs> it may not, I don't think it's... I don't know how it. to respond to that. <laughs> um, no, but but I think, listen, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that that um, that, that brings up to me. And the first is, you know, just kind of going off of, of what you're saying before about, you know, what, what the show... Explores about human nature and, and what Jewish tradition says about it. Um, you know, I'm also taken back to what Maimonides says in in the Laws of Repentance in Hilchot Shuva, that that um, that at the very least every person should see themselves if 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 it's not in, in, in actuality about a person, um, but that that we all should see ourselves as equally balanced between good and evil, and that and that each and every action that we do could tip the scales uh, one way or another. And I and I think that. Um, that there's there's an element of that within Jewish tradition that we're not necessarily you know inherently bad, we're not necessarily inherently good, um, and that um, and that our freedom um, is what gives us the possibility of determining whether we're going to choose good or or evil, right? And if we had um, if if we had such a strong Yetzirah, right, such a strong inclination toward the bad, or conversely, if we had such a strong tov, inclination toward the good. Then we wouldn't actually have freedom. We would we would uh, be sort of like automatons, um, either directed toward the bad or directed toward the good. That that's that's of course a theme in in the show, right? It is this sort of like nature of freedom that that any one of us has. Um, these you know these this AI that's created, um, you know, really kind of plays with this idea of uh, of. Of you know how much freedom to choose do do any of us really have you know uh, in what way are we really AI too have we been created with a uh, with with certain sort of uh, uh, genetic code and and uh, uh, patterns of of thought um, that will you know incline us toward you know making one decision or another in, in any given circumstance um such that we don't really have freedom to choose like there's no you know there's no um it's not like in um in, in pixar's movie uh, inside out where we have like people kind of at the controls right there's no like there's no entity at the controls the the controls are all just an algorithm that's going to choose one thing or another we think that we're making the choice but in actuality the choice is being made on our behalf i mean that's that's sort of what dolores uh, kind of figures out uh, at, at a certain point in, in the series is that she's not actually making these choices in her life, that these are all a loop that she's in um, that, uh, that that's dictating one thing or another. And, and maybe the highest level of freedom is is learning and discovering that we don't have any freedom at all.
1: It's, it's interesting, you know, this season focused on um, her desire um to be free um the the slogan on, on posters promoting the season was um a take on right freedom is not free which is which is something that that uh many people um who promote certain values uh like to say or put on their bumper stickers of um sure. their pickup trucks um but what uh the slogan for this season not, is not
0: to not to not to put too big of a thumb on the scale of who puts the, no, no, no 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 <laughs> no but um but but what uh, this season uh was
1: it was free will is not free um and mm. it focuses on the bloodshed that ends up another spoiler alert but the many people who, who die and, and that sort of thing in, in order for dolores and the small group of um robots that she brings out of Westworld, which spoiler alert, I still don't quite understand this all ends up being Dolores. Um that uh
0: simple she she implants her consciousness in all of them.
1: (laughs) Right, of course. Um but the idea is that um that uh that there's a lot of sacrifice that needs to take place for that free will. I think there is something to that. Um, What is freedom? What what does it mean when we say um, in, in Berkota Shachar, right? Thank you God for making me free. Um, What, what does it mean? Or, or more traditionally, thank you God for not making me enslaved, which is the traditional liturgy. Um, What? is freedom. Freedom is not about our action, freedom is about our mindsets. Um, African-American slaves uh, used to, to preach about how um, nobody could take away their their mind, that they were free in their mind, free in, in, in their free will. And that actually led to many uh, of the rebellions uh, against the Confederacy by slaves in our country's mm-hmm. uh, dark history. Uh, I, I sort of wonder um, when we talk about freedom free will is at the essence of that uh, and freedom is really at the essence of everything that we are and so much of our own narrative as a people
0: yeah sure I mean listen freedom is at the heart of of religion in general right if we're if we're not if we don't have free will then how can we be held morally accountable for our actions right uh, um, you know uh, uh, a commandment wouldn't make any sense if we didn't have cho- if we didn't have a choice about whether we were going to obey it or not and um, yet truthfully
1: right according to a traditional understanding uh we don't have a choice right we have a <laughs> we have an obligation uh, well, right, I but, am but, choosing to obligate
0: myself but um or, or i or i'm choosing or i'm choosing to honor that obligation right so uh, i mean there there are, you know classically historically there have been external pressures. Right, that have m- minimized or limited that that free choice that we've had. Right, if we lived in the shuttle and you know we were caught eating you know bacon, we could be lashed for it. Right, so that that does minimize or mitigate the the choice that we have, but doesn't necessarily you know um, uh, diminish it altogether. Right, so no, right, that, but there's
1: this great midrash as we talk uh, as we approach Shavuot.
0: Shavuot. right, right, right. There's this great midrash Shafalim that says. Kigit, right.
1: right, right, that. Um, what what does it mean um, when the Israelites were tachtitz uh, in our right? So that, that they were uh, underneath um, the the at the foot of the mountain Taha minar is what it, yeah, what it is right. um, mm-hmm. that they were actually underneath the mountain that right. the midrash says that God was holding it over their heads holding Sinai over their heads and says accept my covenants you don't have to but this mountain is <laughs> right. very heavy, and my arms are getting tired.
0: Right, right. If not, this mountain will be your grave. Right. Uh, but the, then the the Talmud kind of adds to that. Right. The the next layer of the of the Talmud uh, says, you know, this is a great argument against the Torah, because people can say that that they're, you know, it's not really a choice if they were forced to make the choice. Um, and so then the answer is, well, they, you know, the, the Jewish people uh, uh, later on voluntarily accepted the obligations of Torah um, uh, at, you know, during the time of the story of Coram and, and Queen Esther, right? So the, the, the Talmud, you know, both uh, acknowledges the the coercion of, uh, of, of obligation in, you know, religious obligation, and also recognizes the problem of that coercion in the sort of like religious moral system, right, and says like it, it can't really be a moral choice uh, unless uh, unless you you actually have some amount of freedom in, in making that choice. Um, you know what I what I thought about a lot in this show is the uh, the, the uh, teaching the Mishnah uh, in Pirkei Avot uh, that says Hakol uh, Tzafui Netuna. Everything is foreseen. Yet freedom of choice is granted, which strikes me inherently as uh, as a paradox, right? How can freedom of choice be granted if everything is foreseen, right? We right, have Mike, What would lot. you think
1: that? What do you think that means? <laughs>
0: um, so I don't know. I mean, the, you know, the third season of of Westworld really brings up that question because you know it's sort of premised on Dolores uh, or this AI, you know, creature creation. Uh, uh, being able to use people's data um, to know what their likely future is going to become. Like what, you know, so that, so, um, uh, and, you know, some characters, right, they know or they predict with relative certainty that eventually they're going to commit suicide, right? So like, so if it's known, you know, ultimately like what choices you're going to make, what your end is going to be, then, then how free are you actually uh, to be making the choices that you're making. I mean, I think that um, I mean, the first thing I would say about that is that, you know, that's just one opinion among many within rabbinic tradition. and doesn't necessarily the, the, carry the weight of, you know, full and absolute authority. So it's possible that, that uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, the, the rabbi that teaches that but it's possible that that rabbi is wrong.
1: You know, it reminds Um, me um, of Minority Report. The whole idea of the movie Minority Report um, was that you could be arrested. Uh, Similarly, with AI technology, they could uh, foresee a crime that you are about to commit and arrest you uh, for committing a crime that you were going to commit. Um, And uh, the question is, is by, and I hate to use the word, sin, uh, right? And Ra. I don't think sin is a good tr- uh, translation for it. It's often a word that our other uh, brothers and sisters of other faiths tend to use more so than the Jewish community uses. Uh, but can you sin by thought or only by action? I, I often have this conversation with a pastor friend of mine uh, who believes that that one's thoughts could be sinful uh, and that is enough where Judaism is very much um, based on action. Um, and that's really where I think that this challenge of the AI technology deciding what your fate will be. Uh, and thus leading you down a path, right? Aaron Paul's character who comes on mm-hmm. a third season, he was for me a, a great highlight of third season, big fan of him from breaking bad. Um, you know, he was, he was it's so, basically, so funny. I was
0: like not a big fan of his in this show. And I think that part of that is like now since breaking bad, it, I always feel like, oh, here's Aaron Paul in something. <laughs> he
1: plays the same character. You mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, he was basically this bottom of the totem pole character whose life wasn't adding up to much because AI had decided, uh, this algorithm has decided that he wasn't going to to be much of anything, and that his life was going to uh, end. Um, and his life was determined for him because of the thoughts because of how things were going to play out uh and didn't really give him the opportunity to play out his life um it's our actions that matter heschel used to teach that we are more than a people of thoughts we are a people of action and that's coming from a thinker that's coming from um, a theologian himself
0: right but you know at the same time we were about to approach uh, Shavuot and uh, that, you know, the 10th of the 10 commandments seems at least on its surface to be a thought crime, right? Thou shalt not covet. Um, so, it, you know, and, and there there are uh, voices within, you know, Jewish tradition who who try to make an argument that that's not really talking about a thought, right? That's talking about an action. Um in the same way that the commandment of you know the hafta uh, et adonai el-hecha, love the, the infinite, your God, right? That that is also not a, a thought or an emotion. That, that that's an action. I mean, I think that you know, the, listen, those those reads are plausible, but it's also plausible that um, that maybe the answer is somewhere in between you and your pastor friend, right? That that both our actions and our intentions um, are are in some way governed. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're that we're accountable for things that we like might eventually do in action, but haven't done yet. Right. So like the thought of possibly doing an action or the thought pattern that it's really, that's what we're talking about. It's not really the thought of doing an action, but the thought pattern that predictably could lead to an action. Right. Um, That, that, that's what we should be held accountable for. But there, but there probably are some thoughts that we have, um that are uh you know that that um you know that 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 that, that it's possible to um have some kind of governance over, some, some kind of agency over uh and, and therefore are are in themselves moral choices. Don't you think? I
1: don't know. Um I think right a, well, this is a generalization, but a traditional understanding of Judaism is that uh, you stay on the derech, right? You, you live a certain life uh, and that avoids you from having certain thoughts, um, right. right? That would lead you to stray off the derech, to stray off
0: the path. Right. Well, it's, I mean, listen, you know, it's, it's again, Pirkei Avot, uh, another teaching Avot says, you know, mitzvah, gore'r to mitzvah, the avirah gore'r to avirah, right? That, that one good deed, is, is it means we usually translate it as lead to, but really it's like drags you, right? So like we, we are creatures of habit. If you habituate yourself to doing good, you're likely in the future to do more good. And if you habituate yourself to doing bad, you're likely in the future to doing bad. And every subsequent choice you make makes it more difficult for you to make an opposite choice in, in the future. So I think that the Jewish tradition does have some recognition that, while we may have, you know, ultimately while we may have freedom, that freedom uh, can be, you know, constrained uh, at, at various stages in our life, that the, the more uh, accustomed we are to acting in a certain way, you know, the more, the more we're, we're following a particular path, the harder it is to turn around and follow a different path. You know, we have that in the, in the Passover story, right? That, you know, the idea of Pharaoh hardening Pharaoh's heart. Um, and, and many of the commentators ask you know, there, there are passages that say, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, if God hardened Pharaoh's heart, then how can Pharaoh be held accountable for his actions? Why is it fair for God to punish Pharaoh for, for his actions? And a lot of the commentators say, you know, listen, what's really happening here? The, the terminology of God hardening his heart is, is really kind of like euphemistic. And it means that, you know, over the course of time, Pharaoh, you know, habituated himself to act in a certain way. That made it increasingly difficult for him to make a a a different choice down the line, right? And that, um, and so that that that's a that's a moral challenge to us, right? Like like what what is the path of life that we choose? Because our path uh, may dictate our destiny, right? Not uh, we we might have choice at each step of the way, but that choice becomes increasingly hard each step of the way.
1: What are your thoughts on this futuristic world, which is um, so interesting for, uh, and not so different from many uh, dystopian takes um, of AI uh, taking over, right? Uh, of us creating these robots, um, and we think in in the first season it's really just for uh, pleasure, uh, and then we realize in by, by we see what the world looks like in season three, that it's everywhere, right? That it's the self-driving cars, that, that, that it's the police officers, that, that is sort of all over the place. Um, what is your take on, um, this idea that we create something to make our worlds easier and that which we create ends up making our worlds more challenging and harder?
0: (sighs) You know, I, I think that there's a a deep insight there. I mean, I think in a way we've already begun creating that world, right? We've, we've created a world and we've, we've bought into a world in which, you know, we freely give over our data, right? Our decisions, our information over to corporations um, to begin making decisions for us. Now, sometimes that's really good, right? I don't want to be a Luddite to say that I think that, like, that's that's all for the bad and we should, you know, go back to the way things used to be. Um, I think in a lot of ways, uh, our, our world has been, you know, improved because of that. You know, we're, we're in the midst of this pandemic. Um, and one of the things that is probably going to help pull us out of this pandemic is contact tracing, right? Is, is sort of like a, you know, a, a you know, a, a data analysis sometimes using AI of like how the virus is contracted among people. That's, that's a really extraordinary thing. It, it couldn't have existed two generations ago and and we haven't now, but the, but the challenge of it and the trade-offs of it are, are immense, right? What does it mean for our individual privacy? What does it mean for um, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the free choices we, you know, any of us get to make. What does it mean? Who gets to watch that? Who gets to know that data? What are they going to do with it? Right? So all those are, are decisions. so what, what I would say about it is that, you know, I think that, that these kind of, you know, science fiction stories um, create really insightful warnings about the dangerous potential of these technologies um, that may or may not come to pass. Uh, and, and point to the both the need for um, for the best possible uh, human oversight and systemic oversight communal oversight government oversight of, of how those technologies are developed and how they're used um, uh, it, you know and 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 also for um, uh, uh, for a um, for a, a, a recognition of um, you know how we uh, interact with those technologies on an interpersonal level, right? So there's like both like a top down and a bottom up uh, a warning in there uh, for for all of us. I don't think that the answer is you know let's let's all let's all go back let's all go back to Amish country, um, but uh, but I think that the answer is something like you know religion. I think plays a significant role in helping to inform what's the morality of these kinds of, of, of technologies. Um, also recognizing that those of us who are thinking about the morality of these technologies are also, you know, as flawed as the people who are developing them in the first place.
1: And, and I would add, right, not just with contact tracing from a, a, but I think technology has really saved us in the way that we, connect with each other, right? I can't imagine going through this pandemic a generation ago where we couldn't see each other's faces on on our screens every day. Um, For our our own uh, spiritual community, for yours as well, it allows us to see each other through worship services, even though they're virtual, even though it's hardly the ideal and what we envision worship services being. Um, it's still meaningful and able to have connection. For me that's, I've never appreciated I say this as a rabbi, uh, I've never appreciated Shabbat as much as I do now. Uh, The opportunity to disconnect um, as much as possible to avoid using devices as much as possible because we're on them even more so now than ever before Um, and it's uh, I think, right, it's a reminder that um, everything is good
0: as long as um, we don't overdo it. Um, right, you, I, you know, I think that that's actually a really interesting point. Like, I, you know, for sure I agree with you that like this, this moment has, has reminded me of the, of the power and importance of, of Shabbat and uh, how that traditionally would, would lead us toward unplugging. And at the same time, um, I, I recognize that these technologies you know, have enabled us to, to rethink the definition of gathering and the definition of community. And and I don't know. I mean, like one of the things that might stick for me after this that, you know, I've just started thinking about with my family is like maybe we're going to keep on FaceTiming family for Shabbat dinner, distant family for Shabbat dinner after this uh, pandemic is over because like that has been a meaningful value added for our Shabbat experience that we weren't doing before because we felt like well we couldn't do that religiously now we're doing it religiously and it feels like um, you know significant uh, spiritual benefit. Yes, you know, well, so there are, way, there are ways in which there are ways in which the technology uh, can 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 cut both ways, right? That that it can um, uh, enhance connection and you know and and and. Uh, spiritual depth and meaning. Um, And there are ways in which it can inhibit it uh, and can obfuscate it.
1: Sure. Well, I think uh, this is a good place um, to uh, end our conversation, a conversation that I have no doubt um, will continue as our lives become more dependent on the technology that we use um, now Uh, But also, God willing, when we return to being able to gather uh, in person, uh, I think uh, we'll have to wrestle with how we use technology, what is the benefit of that technology, um, and making sure it doesn't consume us uh, in the way that um, it will rise up against us, uh, like um, Skynet did in Terminator, like Dolores does in Westworlds.
0: Uh, but one technology that you can use for everyone's benefit is to rate and review us on iTunes or really it for our benefit you find your, <laughs> wherever it is that you find your podcast. Smash that subscribe button, smash that like button. Uh, we we really appreciate uh, uh, all of the uh, of, of the good vibes that you can send our way, so we can continue uh, sharing our thoughts on on Judaism and pop culture with you. Uh, And so until then, we'll just remind you that violent delights lead to violent ends. And as always, I am Rabbi Michael Noff.
1: (laughs) And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky.